With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. What is up? Welcome to episode number 317 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined, as always, by the giddy Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? Oh, I am so happy because I'm going to stop talking and introduce our two wonderful guests because this is this is a pod that we did last year, um, and I'm just so happy that we get to do this again. Uh, Fast, who are these people? They are our two dads, uh, <laughs> DVR and Eno Saris. We are thrilled to have yes. you guys today. Thank you so much for joining us. Are we not all the same age? <laughs> I'm I'm the old man here. <laughs> I can be everyone's we, dad. We say that because you guys are people that we look up to. You, every time we can get a a, a uh, an opportunity to podcast with you, um, it's it just we can't believe that you still accept. Uh, and that's why I say our two dads. I still remember the first time I met both of you, real oh, kind yeah. human beings, and we just can't believe you take time out of your busy schedule to talk about some of this stuff with us. So thank you. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> so what are we doing today? And this is why I got so excited all week bringing this up. We are we have all of our rankings. They are all out, some public, some not public, but they're there. We have lists and there are names with numbers next to them. And what I thought would be a fun idea is to figure out uh, who's high on whom and compare the lists across four different people. So what the process for this podcast is going to be is we're going to go matchup by matchup. It's going to be Nick versus Eno and then Eno versus DVR and then me versus Eno, me and so forth and so on. Talking about guys that were a little bit higher Huge and a matches. little bit lower on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Only one will come out alive. (laughs) Um, So without further ado, why don't we go ahead and dive right in here? Okay. So we I have this list over here. The first matchup to enter the cage uh is going to be Nick versus Eno. And the guy that we're talking about first is Eric. Lauer. Nick, you have him at 63 currently. Eno, not even in the top 100. So before we begin, the way that this is going to work, Nick, you're going to give us your case as to why Lauer is at 63. And then Eno, you can defend why he's outside your top 100. And then DVR, you and I can maybe say who we're, who we're siding with a little bit here. Well, all right, sure. Um, problematic for employment yeah. for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, uh, when it comes to Eric Lauer, for me, he increases velocity in both his four seamer and his cutter last year. Uh, and I think once he got into a groove with that increased velocity, uh, we saw a pristine pitcher last season. We saw 178 ERA over about 13 starts across the last 13, uh, three months of the year. Um, we saw also 0.96 whip and a 24% K rate in that time. And the way I treat Eric Lauer is not as this high ceiling guy. I don't really think he's going to be a three ERA or so. Um, but I see as someone to get in the final two rounds of my 12 teamers as someone where I look at my team and think, oh, no, I chase too many things and I don't have too many starters I can trust early on. Eric Lauer is someone I think the the Brewers are going to let go for a while. I know that they currently are you know jostling between Hauser and Lauer as that number four or number five, obviously uh, the Lauer groin injury does affect things a little bit. It looked like it was just one start missed 
And I made this list before I knew about that. So that's not fair. And I'm not going to bring that up again. But I will say Eric Lauer, let's say misses one start or something from that. He's still someone that looks primed, especially if he keeps that velocity again to maintain over a 20% strikeout rate, something that hints at 25% with good ratios through the year on what should be a winning club with the Brewers in that NL Central, at least for him. Um, and, and not really camp counseled in the same way that we think of like Freddie Peralta. And so Eric Lauer should be able to go five, if not six frames constantly for them. I just think that this has a safe late play that you can get on your squads. All right. Well, my God, that's Eno Saris's music. Um, I think uh, it was all sounded really convincing and I am convinced that he improved himself to being a mediocre pitcher. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not convinced that all those things that he did made him any good because he improved himself to league average velocity. Uh, Maybe a tick above, but that's when you're really, you're really biting onto like the last few starts. I think if you're going to say he has, you know, 94, 95 in him, I think, what we're going to see is league average velocity, 93, 93 and a half out of him. So league average velocity, an okay cutter, poor other secondaries. And what I see out of him is a guy who improved himself to being below league average. I, I, I know I don't want to make everything about stuff plus or whatever, but like, you know, he had one outing in this, in the whole second half when he had this better velocity of league average stuff. And so uh, that's what I see. I just see a guy who's gotten the getting the most out of what he's got. And then I add on top of it, the NLDH and uh, that Brewers Park. And I don't want to have any part of mediocre pitchers in Milwaukee facing the DH this year. I have one more thing I forgot to mention. The reason I do like the fastball, regardless of the 92.5 mile per hour velocity, that yes, is average, is that increased its swing strike rate from about 8 to 9% to 14% last year, which is not insignificant. Um, Used it more as a two-strike offering. Uh, I went up from a 23% two-strike percentage on it to 37%. um, And that did help a lot with a strikeout rate, which I do feel is something to note. Primary, exactly right? more of like a going backward a bit and the cutter not being destroyed a ton allowed him to do that uh and as far as hard contact goes yeah not really something super exceptional uh 25 overall plate appearances is 56th among starters last year that's good it's not you know um it's not the greatest thing ever but i think he's good enough and it, with that new fastball it does make me think that he's above average but yeah i mean it could fall apart the thing is, it's the end of your draft, and he's someone I want to take, take a chance on if I need some starts early. DVR, any thoughts on Lauer? I'm not going to make you choose uh, who is right or who is wrong, but maybe we'll just say what your considerations are, because there is no right and wrong, right? There's Noted no wrong. Brewer fan here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been a, a Lauer skeptic ever since the trade. I was, a, I guess, <laughs> I was feeling better about it after what we saw last year, and I'm feeling even better about it now. There's no 95, 96 last time out this spring, yeah. so there's another uptick in velocity that might be there. I'm curious to see how that plays in the pitching model once we are able to get that in the regular season. I think it's an organization that we trust, right? Even if I didn't root for this team, it's easy to see what they do with their pitching lab, how they have good location strategies, how they tweak guys. And basically, he's got to be as good or better than Adrian Hauser to keep a spot in the rotation. I know Aaron Ashby is a popular sleeper. I like Ashby a lot, too, but they're going to have to really manage his innings very carefully. So there's plenty of ways this can go right. Um, So I'm going to split the difference between the two and say there's definitely an up arrow next to Eric Lauer's name based on what we saw last season and what he's done so far this spring. All right. All right. How many many innings do you throw in that in that start with 95? It doesn't matter. We will if we have any more reasonable reasonable thought in this podcast. So help me God, we will we'll, we'll take it down. Um all right. So we've got a lot of these matchups to get through. So we're gonna go ahead and move on to the next one here, which yeah, is my Which is you. I'm not gonna let you introduce yourself. Uh okay, we have DVR who's going to start this one against Alex nope. fast and you got it wrong. We have, nope. you already messed Alex it up. Versus, I'm a, why? Oh, yeah, I have so to do it. In the start it. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. yeah okay. okay fast. Fine. It's going to be you. 
control everything, why don't you? <laughs> no, no, uh, no, you can introduce it by all means. I'm just kidding. The I'm notes. Kidding. All right, right, Alex versus yeah, DVR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> why is Tarek Skubal at 57? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I the more I kind of looked into Tarek Skubal's numbers, the more I kind of fell in love with him. I mean, like the 4.34 ERA is a little bit not great. 5.09 FIP is scary. Gave up a good amount of hard contact last year. He got a lot of swings and misses inside of the zone, which I kind of love. Like he showcases some subpar stuff, but with a good ability to locate. Um, the heater got hit really, really hard last year. 403 Woba. The sinker had a below average 277 Woba. It's those secondaries that kind of have me really interested. The slider showed a good amount of promise for him with a 239 Woba and a 15% swinging strike rate. Not necessarily elite, but really, really good. There were a lot of peaks and valleys for Scubo last year, too. There were months where he would string together really great starts. He had a 3.14 ERA in June over about 30 innings and a 3.25 ERA in August over about 27 innings. He's showing maybe that he might be able to throw that curveball a little bit more, which I think is exciting, too. He's obviously going to have to get that home run problem under control, and that could theoretically come with a heavier reliance on those breaking pitches. 50% of his fastball home runs came when it was even in the count, which I thought was really interesting. That seems like a problem that he could theoretically solve. So I think there's a good base there of solid secondaries. There's some steps forward that could be taken with the fastballs, which I think in that organization can help him do as they've changed up their pitching uh, uh, or their mindsets over the past year or two. I don't know. I think there's, you know, we all know that uh, progression for prospects is not linear. I think there could be a nice step forward for Scooball with a little bit more consistency this year. But DBR, tell me what you're thinking. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show my hesitation with Scooble is just that he's he's allowing as much hard contact as any qualified pitcher in the game right now. Hmm. If you look at barrels per plate appearance, barrels per batted ball event, nobody gives up more rockets than Tarek Scooble. Will that continue going forward? I don't think it will. I think he could always he could be the kind of guy that is, I don't know, top 15 in that category and still be a good pitcher. He misses a ton of bats. He's on a team with an improving defense and he's got a ton of weapons. Like 22 home runs that he gave up last year came on that four-seamer. So step one might just be throwing it less if you can't fix it. If he fixes it, great. Keep all the weapons in there. He has enough other ways to get hitters out. I just like to see him kind of find new ways to approach hitters overall. Like that's just, just try that. He's a tinker. I love tinkers. He's got velo. And actually, I was surprised looking at the pitching plus model, the location numbers on Scooble were better than I would have expected. Like I go into it, I look at the stats first and then go look at the model. And I assume guy with a home run problem probably has some command issues. No, location plus had him a tick above average. So there's a lot here to work with. And I think the difference between where I have him and where Alex has him is, is pretty small. It's just that part of the draft where everyone's out there getting their guys and he seems to be someone else's guy more than he's my guy at this point, which is probably to my detriment, given the cheap strikeouts that you're guaranteed to get. And, uh, and Eno, how do you feel here? Do you think, uh, do you think we have a, a winner here in DVR who, by the way, are you, Oh no, you're not. I'm so sorry. I'm confused by my own background here at, on the podcast. I thought you were wearing a pitch list shirt for a second. Anyway, <laughs> I was so touched. It does look I was like so it. Yeah. Touched. <laughs> it oh my like God. It. I, but no, Eno, where do you stand with Tarek? Are you signed more with Alex or DVR here? I it's so easy for me to fall in love with bad fastball guys um, that, uh, you know, I, who was the who was the guy I always like Chase Whitley. You remember him? Ooh. Oh, yeah. 
Oh. I was like, oh man. As a shutter look goes the, through the Look at this. Yeah, there's a reason up. why I'm look so at sorry. This slider. Like, he's going to make it. Like, he just needs to throw his fastball less. But I don't know. The fastball is really important. The one thing I did like is that the sinker uh, did rate better on hard contact, on, you know, uh just generally in our model we like it better like so i think the move from the four seam to the sinker was good um and the slider is an effective pitch and the change up i think can be an average pitch. so i think you're talking about a sinker slider guy that actually has an okay change up so that's that's what it, i don't know what the comp is for that um but it might still be a bad fastball guy so I'm, i lean a little bit more dvr mm. all right you know, it's well, funny. I I have it. Uh, I have Tarek ranked even higher than Fast at the moment, and I find myself pushing him down. So I'm kind of leaning on DVR in the sense of there's always someone else that goes for him instead of me. Um, that said, uh, I think what we've seen so far with Tarek is not a finished product, and I think mm-hmm. we're going to continue to see more development. Even last year, we saw it. Um, yeah. Before he got shut down, um, about 140, 150. Right. He started to find more rhythm, I think, with the slider and the change up a bit. And what the end result to me, I think, is really good for seamer command. A lot of high location um, and with intent and putting in the right spots, like jamming inside up and into right handers, which I absolutely love seeing. I And we're going to see a guy that figures out how to do that, but complements it properly with that change up and slider. And it will take some time. Do I think that Tarek Skubal is going to do it right away? I don't know. And that's probably has me pushing it away. But around 57, I mean, it is that point where it's surprising that it's this early this year. But yeah, it gets really, really much of a gray area. And it could be the year that Tarek Skubal breaks out. It could not be. But yeah, you got to go and get your guy for DVR. It's not that. I don't even think Fast is even your guy anyway. Um, so I, I probably would lead with DVR here. That's, oh, that's funny. I totally disagree. He sucks. I've got him at 66. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you have him at 66? Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Look at you all, two. We're all pretty similar there, but now that we're, I know that I lost, I can at least get reason needle to cry here. myself to sleep. Yeah, we are. It's, 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 not, it's not a lot. This next guy, though, there is a little bit more of a difference on. There's about 20... 20 points in ranking here. And this, I was very excited oh, wow. to have you guys uh, disagree. Uh, well, I don't want to say disagree, but have different opinions on this person. Cause Nick and I also have a lot of different opinions on this person. And now we can hear your perspective. So this is Eno. We're going to start with you talking with DBR about Patrick Sandoval. Oh, okay. I was uh, prepared to defend my other guy that everyone thinks I'm crazy about, <laughs> but that's later on. We'll get to that. <laughs> that's later. Um, Oh, uh, Patrick Sandoval, I, I, I think he's a bad fastball guy. So I think he's a good at, he's got a really good changeup, a really good slider. Um, I think that he got better near the end of the season by mixing them up. Uh, I think he has a decent park. However, I am right now writing about the humidors going to uh, all 30 parks, and that will actually add a few homers in Anaheim. Um, and so I forget, am I, am I low man on him or high man? You're actually, you're actually, you're high compared to DVR. Yeah. But, but see, we just, we're just talking about school and I feel like I, I think, I feel like I see some similarities there. That's, they're not that far apart for me. There's like late, late sixties, early seventies that like, that's where I'm taking shots on guys where they're young, they have good secondaries and maybe they can figure something out with the fastball usage location. Maybe they come in with, with another, another tick. They're young enough that they might actually gain a tick uh, in the off season as opposed to uh, just losing it. So uh, I see enough there that I like. It's a good slider. It's a good changeup. That's a rare combo to have, I would say above average slider and changeup. So that I think that's a good place to start, even if the fastball's not that great. Yeah, there's definitely there are ways this can work. I think part of the reason why I've been lower than most on Sandoval is the Angels six man rotation that cuts down on the innings a little bit. Uh, the injury that's coming back from the end of last year, I'm not really worried about the carryover effect there. Walk rate is a little high. Home run rate could be an issue. And then the humidor thing is a, a factor that was not previously accounted for in the rankings. We just learned about that a few days ago. Uh, so I think it leads me to want to hold Sandoval where I have him. I think the thing I'm I'm genuinely curious about, it's something that I, I didn't pitch at a high level. I was never a pitching coach or anything like that. So this is maybe a question directed right at Nick is, 
when you have a bad fastball guy, it, having a changeup and a slider, certainly t- two weapons that you can use that aren't the fastball, it could probably still work. Do you worry more about a, a bad fastball guy when the changeup is the best pitch in a pitcher's arsenal? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it kind of reminds with me. My head. It messes. It makes me think of who I used to call the devil, who was Jeremy Hellickson, because you would invite him into your vision, village and then he'd burn it down the next week. And I because he that's what he would do. He would he would have this one great start because he had this amazing change up and it, everyone was really good on his fastball. But those days when like the change up worked, you say, oh, this is amazing. And um, that that is I never really thought about it that way. Uh, being change up focus, I, I kind of akin Patrick Sandoval to a classic Guardians pitcher, like a good Carlos Carrasco, though, hmm. um, where he had a slider change up essentially. Um, now, I would say the slider was a little bit more whiff heavy with Carrasco than it is with Sandoval, but still being bad fastball that you don't want to get hit um, with these two good secondaries. And in some ways, uh, better with Sandoval with the curveball that you can throw for a strike. I mean, he had like a 40% CSW on it last year, which is insane. Hmm. Um, it's funny because I mean I'm talking about this because I have I have like 40, uh, and I think this might be because like I, I I will say 40 to like I don't know to 60 or so is this complete mess of just whatever upside you want to chase. I find myself leaning on Sandoval because he's expressed the ceiling that a lot of these other guys haven't had. Mm. Um, I mean you don't just go out there and get 32 whiffs in a given day because you just had one good day or something like no no no. There's something very good innate about that. I think on the good side is he, it looks like he can command the slider. Like you were quoting yeah. his CSW on the slider and the change. Like he has, I think he can command the secondaries and that's really good news. However, the, I don't have the same CSW as you. So what's his CSW on his forcing? On his, uh, oh, I don't have him up, but I can get that very quickly. Yeah, while you, yeah. while you, um, while you pull him, I up, have a 25. Um, 25%. let's see. Yeah, I have well, it at it's twenty six point four. Yeah, not, not good. good no. Right? Yeah, no, not sixty two percent strike rate too, which is a little bit below average. So you kind of want him to be able to sneak that in for strikes. Like maybe he can develop more of a called strike rate with it. It's a twenty percent rate I see right now. So it's could maybe he can get that to like a twenty four or so and sneak it in, kind of like Kenta Maeda did with his splitter and slider. Um, so, well, I, mean, his I think DVR so we'll makes see. a good point too with the with the innings cap. I mean, like with six with the six man rotation, what do you think the most is that anybody comes out well, of the rotation with? How how okay? I, I'm sorry to say this, but like six man rotations, and maybe only the Mariners really stuck to it, and kind of the Angels did. But with the Angels, it was everyone got hurt, and then they just threw in Otani whenever they could, and they just kind of had the rotation whenever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It was like it was just you know? all hands on deck, sort so, of. So there were times that Sandoval would go like on five days later or something like that, you uh, know. And knowing the Angels, it's their reputation is that everyone gets hurt anyway. Um, but it is a good point that as far as like the cap goes, it's not as high of a ceiling of like 800, 180 or something like that. He won't go every How many people are going to even do that anymore. Well, right. So I'm not really dinging him for that six man. I think the the one thing that I wanted to circle back to though is like if we're talking about Tarek Skubal's fastballs being bad, Patrick Sandoval's fastballs are really bad. Both his yeah, four seamer and his sinker have a woba over three fifty, and they're not good. Also, and no, there's not the like with Skubal, there's like oh the sinker was better, so he's switching the sinker. Maybe that's yeah. okay. You don't have that with, with Sandoval. They're both. And bad. as DVR said, he locates them. Scooble does, and Sandoval does not locate them as well. So my mm. concern is that guys are going to sit on that changeup and then be like, "All right, let me just get to my count," and then just demolish those heaters with that humidor, with the ball flying out of the park a little bit more, and the intended the added additional risk of injury history. So that to me is why I'm like, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of particular warts there, but it seems yeah. like we have a nice kind of stalemate here where people just have to make up their own <laughs> damn minds. About <laughs> no, no, Eno wins because he had him lower um, than DVR. So, oh, all right. Okay. Uh, you know, more favorable spot. So no, clearly, think, is that right? No, I had him higher. No, yeah, I know. Yeah, but, you know, I'm I'm finding yeah. it differently. Yeah, I know. Oh, the man. lower we number, get, but higher on the rank. Nick take uh, a nap or something. You know, it's ranking, so Eno wins. Yeah, exactly. Um, All right, we're going to move on to our next one, which is Nick, a guy that you and I actually have not talked about, but we have a person 
a 10 person a 10 rank difference who has to take him. the nap fast <laughs> uh, okay all right good point uh so i'll i'll start here and i have clayton kershaw at 32 you have him at 42 yes um, i think that we can uh still see a a pretty reliable clayton kershaw this year i'm not even going to throw in some of the change-up stuff that we were talking about yesterday mm-hmm. um the stuff seems like it's still there you obviously have to improve that there has to be some sort of improvement in that 355 era from last year we know that that slider is still fantastic i mean you pick up the highest swinging strike rate ever since 2014 not ever since 2014 on it the woba started to tick up a little bit last year which is a bit concerning but that probably comes with the increased usage that we saw from it the gains that we saw on the fastball veal last year kind of fell by the wayside which makes sense considering the long season but while i think that those kind of vintage high two you know era days are done and behind us i think you can still get 140 150 really solid innings of fantastic slider out of clayton kershaw to to be a good anchor for your rotation you have him not too much further behind 10 spots isn't crazy but you seem to have a little bit more of a question mark on kershaw and what is that well i so um we might go a little bit long on this podcast but not because of this answer because you should just listen to fast um this was uh, a ranking done before we had any news about his injuries or anything He's good. He looks like he's fine now. He's going to be starting out at the gate for the most part, from my understanding. So, yeah, I would probably have him around 32. I find that bizarre, though. I mean, it was <laughs> like he was going to get yeah. TJ and then yeah. there was and then like, he wasn't signed by any team. And then he comes back and he's, he's throwing 90 he's now, 89, 90. And, yeah. and he's going three, four. In, like he's gone like three, four innings in one already. Right. Like, right. Three innings. Mm-hmm. It's it, maybe it, the question was like the longevity through the year. But for me, as long as Kershaw is pitching, I mean, if we get four months of it or whatever, at that point, I'm fine with it. Because as you were even saying, like innings, what are they? You know, I just bumped them up. I just bumped them up while we were talking. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> to what? No. To what? <laughs> to what though? Uh, you know, thirty-seven. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're all pretty much <laughs> DVR. Where do you stand with Kershaw? I've been in for a little while, and. It was this weird interview he did before the Super Bowl where he was talking about getting ready for the upcoming season. He wasn't even asked about baseball. It was a question about what it was like to be a teenager and be friends with Matthew Stafford because that was Clayton Kershaw's link to the Super Bowl <laughs> this year. Right. And he talked about preparing for the season despite the lockout. And I was just listening back to the answer. And I was like, this guy, this guy's not hurt. Like in, in this weird way, like he's he's not being asked about his arm health. He's just doing the things he would ordinarily do. Mm-hmm. I don't think Clayton Kershaw is some kind of master of media deception where he would like throw a smoke signal out there and then like be actually hurt. Uh, so I've been quietly trying to get shares while I could in that 150 to 175 range overall because I felt like there was good value. I'm not expecting more than 130 innings from him. I, an IL stint seems like you have to bake one in at this point if he stays healthy all year it's a bonus but i guess do you want the healthy pitcher now or do you want someone like shane boz who's going to need probably right. six total weeks to get back into game situations you know a couple mm-hmm. weeks to recover from the actual surgery a few more weeks to ramp back up again if the innings expectations are similar and these are two guys at opposite ends of their career Take do you want the, the healthy guy, guy now or do you before. want the guy who's coming back later yeah definitely yeah. And uh, the first thing I think that's most important there is the only way that you'll talk to a baseball player on national TV is if there's a context of a football player. (laughs) But but I will say, as far as like innings go, I would rather have good innings in April if I can, because I'm personally expecting the quality of innings to be way down for everybody Mm -hmm. in April. Mm -hmm. So I will value a guy that I think will have good innings in April a lot more the future innings because of that i was gonna say i i bull predicted that there would be uh no 200 inning pitchers this year um hmm. last year we had the lo- lowest amount ever and it was four and of course that's related to you know covid still you know it's related to to slow start and all that but i just think that that's the way the game is going we're getting more out of our you know middle relievers we're we're sciencing it down to where the starters average four and a half innings and the relievers average four and a half innings um <laughs> and uh and we've just that's that's the way the game's going so uh, this will preview an answer to some of that's probably coming up that i'm gonna have to talk about but i think once you leave behind the first round and, not, and maybe not even a full at first like 15 or maybe not even maybe it's 10 pitchers in our ranks you leave behind any of the guys that are probably going to throw 180 innings 
I'm not even talking 200 because I don't think any, like I may, I think maybe it's one or zero. So once wow. you leave behind the horses, now you're, you, you could, you could do two things, right? Strategy wise, fetishize innings, right? And be like, okay, I need innings. Like that's, what's number one. And I need innings and I'm going to go get those innings or maybe see that everyone's going to be down and that 140 good ones might be better than chasing this guy who's going to get 160, you know, right. mediocre ones. Sure. And, uh, and so there's always that relationship, but I also think that we're not that good at projecting injury. So no, once you no. factor that in, I'm like, let me just get good pitchers. And Kershaw yeah. seems like to be a good pitcher who's throwing right now. It's better than mm-hmm. a, a good pitcher who's not throwing right now, which is what you're playing. Um, all right. That's, uh, that seems like, a, a, a just, I mop the floor with Nick on that one. Uh, but we're going <laughs> to move on. No, I'm joking. We're going to, we're going to move on to, uh, DVR versus, uh, Nick, Nick, you're, you're saying, oh, these, these rankings are reversed. They should be the other way. Right. Yeah, you're right. They should be. Uh, so DVR, you're a little bit higher are Aaron on Aaron Nola here. Um, now again, this isn't a huge gap. There's a lot of really fun guys. Both of you have Aaron Nola inside of your top 20. Um, but DVR, you seem like, I think you're a little bit higher on Nola. So what is it about Nola that you like? bulk uh for the innings i think for one i don't like the ballpark i've never liked the ballpark and the defense is worse but i I think (laughs) as much as you can have a a durable starting pitcher aaron nola has ticked that box for several years i think the k rate is consistently good the walk rate is consistently good home runs fluctuate from year to year for every pitcher i think he's probably going to skew a little to the higher side because of his home park all that's to say once I get past Aaron Nola in my rankings, it's guys that have shorter track records of pitching at that level, or it's guys that have significant injury concerns that Nola doesn't have. So it's it's the health breaks the tie, I think, in a big way. The frustrating thing with Nola has been the wide range of outcomes. For a pitcher this good, he shouldn't be this extreme. And I know Nick has compared him, I think, to Jose Barrios in the past, and he's looked <laughs> at Nola as a very overdrafted pitcher if i remember correctly i don't I forget if that was on on this show or if it was on a, a sleeper in the bus but in my mind nick pollock has always connected barrios and nola together he doesn't like either one of them he thinks nola's like barrios he thinks barrios is overrated if i remember correctly so wow um, right? no, i don't think so i i'm i'm uh, a I'm, in my heart i'm a giant nola fan <laughs> uh, i mean we we selling shirts live every day like it's nola day nola was like my my, my guy um now i think giolito was someone i was comparing as a higher barrios ah yes it was giolito uh but i it's okay it's all right i mean i will say that i am down on nola and i think it's because we have this grand assumption that we're he's all of a sudden going to get his ground ball rate back um and that he's going to stop allowing as many fly balls as he did and i mean i know it's the stupidest sample i'm not going to actually inherently quote this but even just like watching spring training all i care about is is he keeping the ball down and the other day, I think he had like a 70% fly ball rate. I'm like, oh, well, that's not what we want. Like three um, home runs today or something. And uh, I, I I want so badly for it to be prime Nola day again. But it's I can't get this out of my head. And I will say I have him at 20 where, you know, if Nola goes out there as a 4-6-3 ERA again, like you will not be happy getting him at 20. Like I am suggesting that he's going to be better. 113 whip is also what he had. There it wasn't just home runs like he's still allowed. Some, you know, uh, some hits and walks as well, um, which isn't you know a bad thing. But like, it's not like, you know, 105, 104, something like that. I don't know. Aaron Nola to me has always been a little bit uh, of a volatile guy. A little bit. That's probably where the Brios thing is coming from. Um, of like, he had that amazing season, like a sub three ERA. But it's always been kind of like, all right, you're going to maybe get your thing going. And yeah, I, I just think we're, we're projecting our um optimism too much in these rankings and that assumption that he is going to be a heavy ground ball guy like it was 118th his ground ball rate last year among all starting pitchers 118th in ground ball rate Aaron Nola mm-hmm. I, I I I should come back in some way but I don't know and I think that that worry has me down at 20. I think you know, part of where you my, at? Oh, go sorry. Ahead, uh, the other part of my my optimism with Nola is I think he's going to give up fewer homers on the curveball. Like that that mm, pitch is too yeah. good to give up ten homers with that last year. So even if the I ground ball rate there. doesn't come all the way back, five or six fewer homers actually makes a pretty big difference just in and of itself. That reduces sure. some of that volatility. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, he's he's got some some 
sort of tension between his four seam and two seam, or you know, his four seam and his sinker, where um, they're changing. You know, they're actually changing shape, and mm. he's changing how he uses them. And so that offers me some optimism that some year he'll find the like, you know, the unique combination of his four seam and sinker that like makes it work. Um, it's also not completely clear to me how different the pitches are from each other. And if it's just all like, I've been trying to figure this out for years, (laughs) you know, like, is it just like a, a a thing that we see on Brooks that doesn't exist? So um, something something (laughs) I totally ask him, you know, if I, if I could, but, uh, um, I did want to point out that, you know, sometimes people bring up the whip last year and the strikeouts and, and how much, you know, how, how he still managed bulk and like he had some value and he did. He returned three dollars of auction value last year, according to the auction calculator, oh, wow. fan graphs, uh, which made him the 59th starting pitcher. Um, and of course, he was drafted uh, in, I think, the top 10. So. Uh, yeah, that's actually kind of a weird risk where it's like, usually the risk is with a guy with a good track record, a veteran that's been good. The risk is, oh, he'll just be hurt all year and I just won't have him. There's, there's very few. He's kind of like you Darvish where it's like, you might draft him here and he might give you a ton of bulk and it might, you might hold on to him all year and he might not be good for you. Right. Yeah. Uh, do you guys know how old, <laughs> how old right, right now, just say on the count of three, tell me the age of Aaron Nola. Okay. One, mm-hmm. two, three. 28. 29. I didn't oh, say wow. anything because I have it in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so honorable. What wow. is it? Yeah. Yeah. Look at you. All right. At 28. It's insane. Uh, I, insane. I, in my head, like, I think of him like a 30, 31. And right. He was a college guy. Oh, you um, thought he was older. Yeah, I thought he was older. He's been, I mean, mm. 2015 was when he showed up or something like that. I uh, I kind of, the way that we talk about him being like, oh, yeah, he's a sturdy one out there. It's like 28. Oh. It's, he's been here for a while, this, you know? Right. This this is something well, I want to digress very quickly because this actually leads us into our next person. And I'm interested for DVR and Eno's thoughts on this. I have been more recently, I guess for the past year or two, giving a lot of credit to who pitching coaches are. And Caleb Coffin mm. came in last year, who was a driveline guy. And I thought had some positive impact, especially with guys like Wheeler. Um, maybe those are some of the changes. And for you guys, how, if at all, how much do you weight pitching coach changes or who a pitching coach for an organization is? Did we just talk about this? Yeah, this came up on, like someone asked us the mailbag question similar to this just the other day. But I I kind of use it as more of a tiebreaker. If there's a, a pitcher that I think has good raw stuff, they haven't been able to get everything out of it they should i'm kind of willing to press reset on them when a new pitching coach shows up or at least give them the benefit of the doubt that there's still that extra level that mm-hmm. that's how i use it. it it's just more of a, a secondary bit of information until you start to see those results until you start to see how each specific pitcher starts to change and then that might be one of the more beneficial things about spring training is seeing how an arsenal changes maybe picking up on a new location strategy or something that is actually very different about how a pitcher is attacking hitters yeah it it i the thing i try to stay away from is just anointing some sort of like oh these guys fix everyone mentality um you know i think there was a question that was like you know could you give us a list of people who've been to driveline i'm like you know, not everybody went to driveline became an ace. (laughs) So, you know, and not everyone that comes up through the Dodgers organization uh, is any good. Josiah, great. Uh, And uh, uh, (laughs) quick aside, I was just talking to an analyst in Arizona and we were talking about Josiah Gray uh, and we both like uh, did the kind of stepbrothers thing. We're like, it's a home run pitch, the fastball. It's a home run pitch, right? <laughs> do you do you are you saying this knowing I just took him in the last round of the pitcher list legacy league? Oh, are you, no, is this no, 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 no. <laughs> I do but, I, uh, I think like, the reason <laughs> the yeah. reason Eno brought it up is because when people say, Can you give us a list of pitchers who want to drive no, I know, you I'm can include around. yourself? Now you can include oh, yeah, yourself, you know, right? You can be like That's right, me. baby. In my in, in my underwear, throwing fifty nine. <laughs> yeah, I need turn into ice. Did I turn into an ace? <laughs> no. See. For those not watching at home, Eno just pounded a beer and threw it against his head. But I do like, I just wanted to point out, the, the, I do like new. So, uh, mm. but again, don't push it too far. Cause like Andrew Haney, 
you know, there's some things we we see the strikeout Ray. We see some spin. Oh, he's going to the Dodgers. Oh, he's adding a sweeper this spring. Oh, he must be doing really good. Don't look at the box scores. Yeah. Yeah, I I love and I I struggled with where to put him in my ranks because I was like, there's potential. And, you know, like, you know, some of the stuff that I put in like in the 90s or something. Yeah, I I avoid it completely because in a like in a 12 team or you don't want to draft this and start him like if you get him you're not starting him right away and oh it's like it's a, a guy that you just bench like i'll yeah. see what the first two weeks are like, like and that's just not if, that's not if for there's me. 10 more homers again then i, yeah. I can't can't have <laughs> right. that in my lineup like and he and he's one of those ones where it's only 15 teams because al only or nl only do you really want to throw that in there and be like yes i want <laughs> right, all exactly. the results from day one please give <laughs> yeah. them all to me yeah, so and I had someone him. on Twitter being like, "Eno Saris will pay for his crimes because they're watching." That game. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Uh, the, the reason I, I bring up the pitching coach change brings us actually into our next uh, kind of verses here, which is me versus Eno, and that's Mike Clevenger at my twenty nine versus your fifty nine. So for me, the pros of Mike Clevenger are one: I'm just in a terrible relationship with him, where he always hurts my feelings, but I'm always going to come back to him because I still think the stuff is just so incredible. If you were to tell me honestly that Larry Rothschild were still the pitching coach for the Padres I don't think I would have put him where I put him but I do think it is a benefit that Ruben Nibla is the former assistant pitching coach for the Guardians who's now coming back to Mike Clevenger who I think he has a pretty good relationship with that's conjecture but I do believe he came up with that system working with Ruben Nibla uh his career ERA is 319 and in the three years he's thrown over 100 pitches he's never had an ERA over 312 the Tommy John obviously the recovery is a big of a is 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 a concern but even if you put him at 110 120 i think this is his final year with the padres so this is kind of a contract year for him as well so they're probably just going to let him go out there and pitch as much as possible i would have a lot of difficulty believing that this was a guy who was all of a sudden a high three era kind of guy i think he can still return first round or not first round but sp1 value for you uh mm-hmm. what are you thinking about mike clevenger why are you a little bit more hesitant uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you on all those things. I think Mike Clevenger is an extremely nasty pitcher that I would uh, not want to step in the box against. Uh, I find his delivery really hard to track. Uh, and I think it's, it, it makes his changeup, which has sort of averageish movement. I think it makes it play up because he's just such a wild man out there with the, the whole thing he does with his arm and the whole stepping around and the, Ooh. it's crazy. I, I don't know. And then I do think that maybe some of that leads to some of the injuries. I'm not yeah. like one of those guys like the Bernard W showing the ball to second. Oh no, Tommy John. <laughs> but um, I, and so I think there's some risk here that's not just Tommy John. You know, mm-hmm. like he's had hamstring stuff. He's had back stuff, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, and so. I think he could come back and be doing fine and then take a blow for the hammy and then, or something. And so um, it's all just a, that's just an innings thing because I have him. Uh, I thought I ranked him pretty nicely. 59 is, you know, he's like right there with my man, Jose Urquidy, uh, who I like a lot and who also shares a very high injury projection from uh, Jeff Zimmerman's injury projection numbers. Um, he's just in a group, Alex Wood, who's throwing 93 this, this spring. Um, you know, I've got him in there and he's got the bad back. So he's, John Means has a really bad injury projection from us. So he's in this group of players that I think are good, that I don't know how, how many innings I can get from them. And I just think I find you were talking, Nick was talking about sort of, you know, 40 to 60 or whatever. Like he's in that group where I, I don't know, you know. Pitchers I like, I don't know how many innings they're going to throw. So so before we get to DVR's take on uh, both of your takes, uh, I have two very quick things I want to note. One, I'm very happy we got the Frog Boys at some point during this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I am curious. You said you don't want to face Clevenger in the box. It makes me ask, you know, who would you want to face in the box? <laughs> hmm... Uh, I remember uh, Nate Jones. Now, sit, wait, because Nate Jones <laughs> threw like 99. Those real However, yeah, what, I would, too, right? what I would really like to face is Nate Jones throwing 79. 
Mm. Oh. Because right, I'll call him up. Jones I'll figure it out. Did this really weird thing where he just showed the ball the whole way. He <laughs> brought the ball up where you could see it, and then he threw it. I mean, I've never seen anybody just hold the ball in front of you and then throw it. Yeah. You know? um, it's pretty great. And I think that's there's a little bit of uh, space internally in teams and stuff where people are starting to like model this and and understand a little bit better. But I think hiding the ball matters a little bit. There you go. All right, DVR, where are you on Mike Clevenger? I'm just grateful that Eno is not actually the pain guy. Like, if I was getting catfished for the last three years by my own podcast co-host, I would have been devastated to learn. I've been trying to figure out who the pain guy actually is in real life for a long time. He cannot He cannot be a, a fully functioning, uh, normal, healthy adult. No, not when he, he is, came out and no. said something about TJ surgery after the guy died after TJ surgery. Oh my God. He's not real. He's not a real no. account. It is parody. I swear to God. It's, it's old Hoss Radborn gone wrong in the other direction. Something. I am adamant that's the case. Clevenger, I think is great where he's going right now. My problem is that I take too many players coming off of Tommy John when they start to look really good in spring training or when the news is encouraging mm. throughout the off season. So I try to limit myself to one major injury guy per staff, whether that's Luis yeah. Severino or Noah Syndergaard or Mike Clevenger. Usually it's Tommy John guys. Sometimes it's something else. Obviously with Severino, it was Tommy John plus something else. With Clevenger, I mean, Alex pointed out the career numbers are excellent. 319 ERA, 119 whip. There's really nothing to fix. I think being reunited with a, a former pitching coach that you've worked with, that, that to me is always a good thing. If you've had success in someone's system before and now you're working with them again sign me up i, I think the skills are going to be really good post tommy john right so it's like the sunny mm-hmm. gray Derek johnson then a couple of years ago exact same sort of thing so i'm in where he's going it's just trying to limit myself from having too much added injury risk or short-term performance risk with the guys coming off these major injuries I think for me, I, can you ask me in like a couple hours when we get the reports of Clevenger's game today? I mean, I think that I just think changes everything a lot. Like, it, yet? It, uh, it's through today, but it didn't go well. Oh, it didn't go well. He gave, I mean, up, eight, I he one... gave up eight earned runs over one and two thirds. <laughs> two home runs. Did he really? <laughs> All right, sells, you know, win. and it wins. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, my, my question is, which, which is really frustrating. Maybe you know, you have some insight about this about like how Florida has a lot more stack cast stuff, and all the Arizona teams do not. Um, and how we want that like so badly. If they just gave us that savant data at some point in the future, um, but yeah, chasing down velocity readings is tough. I mean, you've been seeing. Alex Wood at 93. I didn't know that. I thought he was, I mean, he looked like he was throwing. I only good. know that because I went drinking with some Giants guys. Like, <laughs> literally, well, the thank only you for I that. <laughs> yeah. Like I appreciate that. that. Away. <laughs> yeah. Like, we we search every morning for, like, any sort of tweets or whatever. Actually, there's someone on, on Twitter who actually quote, um, mentioned me for some reporting the 93 to 95 for Noah Syndergaard. I was like, yes, we've got one, you know. It's so hard to find this stuff. Um, but, yeah, with Clevenger, it's going to be is he going to be back at the normal velocity? Us hearing about Justin Verlanders, that's exciting. It makes us feel better about that. And I think that's the last key to, to Clevenger. We kind of assume that the breakers will I want even more. Too. Like I heard that Verlander lost like a half inch of ride. Yeah, mm. that's that's the thing that scares me. Those the the pitching bot, the Cameron Grove models, right? Slider academy when it came with him. No, but also with the with the four seam. I mean, he's an interesting case because he wasn't present for the sticky stuff ban, so we don't know how the non sticky stuff is going sure, to impact yeah. him and whether or not that lack just of sticky blew my stuff, mind. I forgot about that. Like I just <laughs> forgot. Yeah, about that. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a chance, and because I, I I was oh, talking God. to him about it, and there's a chance that if the fastball doesn't have the rise, the negative impact that has on the breakers. It makes it, it scary everything. for Verlander. Yeah, it can change your whole arsenal. I mean, it, it is. I will say this though um, about Clevenger, about Severino, about Verlander, and not Syndergaard because I don't really care much about Syndergaard. Um, but uh, I just the out other ninety three five. Yeah, ninety three. He wasn't as amazing as the others, even when he was at his you know healthy ability. Right, he still had high whips. He was super hittable, and the slider was amazing, and like still not there. And now he's worse than that, and we haven't really heard anything about the slider. And it's just. I don't I don't want it really. I didn't like um, that Velo reading. Yeah. And uh yeah, I saw that you were nervous on it in the same tweet that I that, that I got tagged on. Um mm. and I will say with those three guys, Clevenger, Severino, and Verlander, their ceilings though are top 15, right? Like that's that's what we're chasing with this, but they don't have to be 
for us to get value at where they're going. At their prices, and I think that's yeah. the point that I want to hold on to here about Verlander is that maybe he isn't a two six ERA guy now. That's fine. As he long has as he's a lot a three, of helium. Five, he has the six. most helium. He's the one that I, he was almost at sale. Like he's like, he's going. Yeah. If he's going to the top 20, 20 pitchers, absolutely. Right? Yeah. I'm not yeah. in on that. Just, um, but, uh, but like with Clevenger still, like I have him at 36 right now. Um, I probably mm. guess 37 cause I'm pushing Kershaw over him. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I do align more with fast on the, it's not really going to hurt you as much. The innings. Sure. But we, you know, with all this talk about how valuable innings actually are, I think I'm leaning on the Clevenger being a worthy draft pick side. All right. You convinced me he's going up. Oh, oh there we go. Even with the eight or there it is today. Yeah. <laughs> okay, God, because I, I was worried that was I was gonna I was worried that was gonna tank me. Um all right. Oh I we have time for a few more and I want to make sure everyone gets their their say here. The next up is uh Eno a little bit higher on Luis Garcia versus Nick. So Eno, talk to us about why you like Luis Garcia. I just think he has a complete arsenal. It's a nice, uh, you know, it's a, it's totally like a Houston, you know, put together a, a sweeper slider with a hard cutter. Uh, he and the changeup is his best pitch coming up. Uh, they added some velo with Gas Camp. Uh, he has good command, a bunch of pitches, good strikeout rates. I don't know why I have to argue much further. Like I just think he's a good pitcher. I don't think he's. I don't know if there's another level, but I think uh, and if, if I'm going to maybe anticipate uh, some of what Nick's going to say, like, I do think we saw some fatigue related issues late in the season. And uh, I understand some concern on that. However, it's a new season. So I'm willing to say, you know, let's start it. Like if you even if with fatigue at the end of the season, he put together a really good season last year. Let's do it again. Oh, are you I, muted, Nick? I think he's muted. I think his fastball got hit uh, when someone needs to burp, you know? Um, (laughs) Really? That's an option, huh? Uh, (laughs) um, Fine. I won't hold it in for you. No, um, just record it for us next time. (laughs) Yeah. This four seamer had 35% hard contact last year, which you don't want to see. You want to see that well underneath 30%. um, And I'm a little bit worried that it's going to be more exposed this year, considering that um, his slider he didn't really use it that much. It It is a really good pitch when it works, but even in the second half, it started getting used a lot less. And there was this hyper reliance on his cutter. And maybe that was due to fatigue. Um, we even kind of saw the formation or the culmination of that slider failing with Jorge Soler smacking it over uh, into Houston somewhere. So I'm a little worried that we're going to see a worse overall Luis Garcia. And it's not necessarily someone that you don't want on your team at all. Um, but you look at the full season of a 348 ERA and a 118 whip, and I think that ERA goes up closer to four. I think the whip could go above 120. And uh, it just turns into a guy that's like a really good cutter, um, a fastball that gets hit too often. And I don't know how much the slider is going to save him. Um, maybe the changeup does have a bigger presence this year and becomes closer to a 20% usage. Maybe that's a way you can kind of counteract it. Maybe the, the slider actually goes up again. Yeah, but I, that's what I like. I like the fact that he has so many pitches. Like there's these so mm. many ways that he can he can un, like get around this. And he's not a guy who can't command. Like we are he already has another fastball you can use instead of the four seam. If he turns the four seam into just a swing strike pitch, lives cutter, four seam high, sl- sweeper slider, and then he said his changeup is the best pitch he was his best pitch coming up. So like right. I just like that there's all these pitches, you know, and they're all pretty good, you know. Yeah, I, maybe, maybe I the get that. Not great. Maybe he's more of a bad fastball guy than I realize. Uh, I I think it's more thought, of oh, there are more yeah. ifs for him to get there, and mm. I just found myself drafting other guys instead. Yeah, I'm, I'm living life in between these two rankings, but I <laughs> I like Garcia. I do think a lot of what we saw in the second half of last year was fatigue. The workload was up a ton. He pitched a little bit in 2020. Obviously, we don't know what guys were doing quarantined and in the ramp up to the season. So how you account for that and how much that ultimately worked against him we may never actually know i just like that there's control and a deep arsenal here and it's an organization that figures it out with pitching so i'm definitely in on garcia where he goes okay uh we've got three more coming up here what about Um, you fast what about you 
I, I, I don't buy into the, uh, like, I think we saw fatigue at the end when the cutter and the four seam, I think, started to blend into one another in terms yeah. of movement profile. Like, that was one of the things that popped up for me on, on, on Brooks baseball, at least. So, and, and that makes sense. He didn't have a lot of innings before that. And I think, I, I actually believe more in what he did at the beginning of the year. So, I, it's funny, I actually might move him up a little bit i'm actually like right next mm. to you in terms of rankings on luis garcia i think maybe i wasn't taking into account the depth of that arsenal um but i, I do want to get that guys off. we almost didn't get it you know we were so yeah you, you, that was a minute of your life that you really needed um <laughs> the last three that we want to do so we're going to do uh we'll start with this first one here it's nick versus dbr and this is kind of i was actually listening to you guys talk about lance lynn uh, i'd been a little you don't both don't seem to love him too much. Uh, Nick and I, I think we do like Lance Lynn. Nick, talk to us about why you have Lance Lynn in your top 15. Yeah, I, I am a little annoyed that last year's pitches per game went from 108 down to 93. Um, and uh, pitches, uh, sorry, innings per start went from about 6.5 to 5.6. Uh, I will say he did return from injury a couple of times. It did bring them down a little bit more, and he's closer to a six innings per start guy. Uh, but Lance Lynn has such a foundation. And if you want to talk about feeling secure in volume for the most part, I mean, maybe you believe that the innings are not going to be there. He's going to be injured too much. It's under 50 innings understood. But the fact that a lot of these guys were okay with the 150, then it's Lance Lynn at 150 or there's a ceiling where he does more than 150 and he goes 170 or so with just a very consistent repertoire. I mean, this fastball has been dominant for a while with a good solid cutter underneath it. And uh, it, it's just, Great, you know, um, his ERA was, should have been even better if it weren't for a six run run blow up um, right at the end of September. And he still had his 269 ERA, 107 whip, and a 27.5% strikeout rate. Like, he's really good for a team. The White Sox are going to roll over the AL Central. He's going to get a ton of wins. Tony Larusa is going to say, is going to have to deal with Lance Lynn shouting at him on the mound to take the ball out of his hands. Like, I, I just I, I just feel that if you want to get security in in, in a time where like the SB2s, all of them have major concerns. I mean, we just talked about Aaron Nola. He certainly has a lot of concerns. Um, I just see Lance Lane is like, oh, no. Yeah, you you start him every single time he starts and you're going to be happy with it. So I, I have him at 13. I think the most interesting thing about Lance Lynn is that the walk rate issues he had for really his entire time in St. Louis have been gone for three years now, mm. going back to that 2019 season in Texas. He's been good with control. There's plenty of guys that have ranked ahead of him that have higher walk rates, but I think they bring more ceiling. I think this is probably me uh, discriminating against Lance Lynn based on age, probably a little bit. Uh, we're talking about a, a 35 year old in May who projections are are weirdly against like i i can't quite figure out where the projections are pulling a four era for lance lynn from but that's definitely yeah, messing wow. with my head i think the the low called strikes and whiffs the low csw here is a problem like it, compared to other top end pitchers he's very low 25.8 is the number i've got i don't know if that's the same calculation yeah, you guys it's 26.8 but yeah, yeah it's low it it, it it comes in pink in my conditional formatting when i look at the my the pitching rankings i don't like seeing that in that particular category, I don't like a guy that even though he's got a lot of different fastball shapes, throws as many fastballs as Lance Lynn does. So even if he's good for another year, I think he, he is very safe for the innings. He's like an old wooden ship, very safe for durability purposes. I see Lance Lynn and I don't want to be holding the bag the year that the projections are right. I don't want to be there for the, the 410 and, ERA and just the, the kind of mediocre year that you could get from, even though it won't break you at the price. I think there's a chance that it's actually here, even though there aren't that many warning signs in the profile yet. How dare you use CSW against me? <laughs> <laughs> was the best argument I had. Isn't he also like as a fat, such a fastball centric pitcher, isn't he also more um, vulnerable to aging? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. More problematic if you throw as many fastballs as Lance yeah, does. The thing is, 94 last year with a 17% swing strike rate on that four-seamer. Um, and 30th in the majors in hard contact allowed per plate appearance, which is insanely good uh, for a guy that Cutter throws that was still one of the best yeah. in baseball, if not the yeah. best in baseball. Like, that's, that's unbelievable. He told me he has four fastballs. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like sinker, four-seamer, and like cut fastball and cutter. Essentially, he's no, he said, uh, BP. <laughs> oh, 
No, he said he throws it in games. That's really that's amazing. Just to yeah. change up the the speed he a little like bit, way off sort of, Yeah, he has some sort of like well, 89, 89 mile an hour. Like I used, you know, I used to do this. <laughs> this is um no back in um back in high school, my coach encouraged me to do this. Um, where you throw a pitch at 80% as opposed to like 90, 95 or something like you um, it's like what Tom Gladwin would do. He would change like his speeds. He would throw like an 84 mile per hour fastball, then like 79 and 78 and stuff. And it would get their timing messed up. And now it's so funny. Me talking about this and be like, why, how is Tom Glavin doing that? That's his fastball. It's 79, you know, whatever. But I, uh, but yeah, that the, the layoff fastball, it can really mess with guys because it's just, I mean, the four or five mile per hour difference can do a whole lot and you don't realize yeah. it because it looks, everything is the same. Probably got like cool. one of those fouls. It's like an early foul, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That's a strike. Learn about the swing. Yeah. Um, all right. We're actually going to do one last one because then there's one final question I want to get to. So the last one that we're going to do as our guests, we're going to let it be between DVR yes. versus Eno. And the pitcher that we're going to talk about is another guy that Nick and I have brought up recently. The rankings may have changed a little bit with some of the news more recently, but I want you guys to talk about Zach Eflin. So DVR, you were a little bit higher on Zach Eflin than Eno. Why is that? Well, I didn't ever really look at myself as a Zach Eflin guy, but here I am. This is where, <laughs> this is where life has brought me. Uh, part of what makes him stand out in this range is that he's got good control. I think there's always been this belief on my part that there could be one more level. He's flashed up picks in velocity in the past and he had the knee injury at the end of last season. And, and that's uh, a big problem. But I think the, the up, the uptick in K rate that we saw from him in the shortened season I don't think that's entirely a fluke, even if it's not a level he'll sustain, right? I think it, it's proof that what he started to do in 2018 was actually doable for him over a full season. And that's what we saw when he was healthy in 2021. So all of this is just a long way of saying this is a team that desperately needs its core group of starters to stay healthy. We've seen some tweaks along the way. We've seen upticks in velocity from Eflin. I think the downturn in velocity last year was a result of the injury. I'm very curious to see where the radar gun is at as spring training starts to wind down. Is he back closer to 94 or is he still sitting in the mid 92? Like that's, that's a huge deal as it pertains to Eflin for me, but Philly's one of those places. I, I often end up passing on late pitchers in Philly because I don't like streaming there. You want to stream your guys at home and you want to feel good about it. And I generally don't. So the thing that I like about Eflin, he can hopefully avoid trouble because he locates well. Yeah, and I don't disagree with the fact that he can locate well, but I just I, I think that this stuff is just so mediocre that the other factors, like the fact that he's got those people playing defense behind him, um, will matter. He, I guess, he can still be good with a three forty four BABIP. Uh, as he had in 2020 and a 327 <laughs> last year, so maybe yeah. he's uh, he's good enough to to deal with it. But I think he'll have an all timer of uh, bad defense behind him uh, this coming season, and I don't think he misses enough bats to uh, to to play his way through that. Sometimes I'm going to give this point to DVR for one good reason: you're getting Afflin the last round of your 12 teamer, and guess who the first two guys he gets are the Oakland Athletics and the Marlins. Beautiful. Ooh. In, which, in which stadium though? Nice. Uh, does it matter? I'd take, those yeah. I'd, I would yeah. use them at home in both of those matchups. Yeah. <laughs> Easily. Oh, I'm so, God. It sucks sometimes to cover baseball in Oakland. Can you throw <laughs> that curveball back? <laughs> That's, DVR, that is, the, that is the thing that Nick and I always get back to. It's like, can he throw that curveball more? And we think we found it. Didn't, oh. didn't we find a quote from him where he was like. This was, yeah, yeah this was. Entering last year, there was a lot of hype about, oh, man, if Eflin does this, which I totally understand because it's a good curveball. He even yeah. said, I throw it in the bullpen beforehand, and if I have it, I have it. If I don't, I don't. And that is not a product of consistency <laughs> through the year. Yeah, it doesn't sound <laughs> you know? like he trusts it very much. Yeah, so, and that that's just kind of how it is. I mean, I see him as a, if you're in a quality start league, I mean, you can get some, you can get two quality starts theoretically at the beginning of the year. Depends on how far he is. He actually might be depressed in his pitch count. Um, in the first what? start, but uh, he's someone that can go those six innings consistently for the fills. 
what I wouldn't give to be able to go to my job and say, if I've got it, I've got it. If I don't, I don't. <laughs> if I don't, I'm just going home. That's fine with you, right? Um, all right. Uh, I want to, I want to, uh, we always like to keep it positive here. So I want to wrap up on a positive. Um, I want, we're going to go around and I want to say, uh, want you all to say, based on the conversations that we've had today, what is the one person that you are going to move up on your rankings? Um, so we can, I'll, I'll go ahead and start to give you guys some time to think. Um, I think based of the conversations that I've heard today, I'm gonna I'll boost Luis Garcia up a little bit in my rankings. Nick, who are you boosting? That was mine. I, I think I am too. I mean, I found myself just pushing him down because I, I like kind of forgot more. I was like, oh yeah, I've already made my assessment. I hate the no slider thing and just kind of going like, oh yeah, there is more. I should be counting into the fatigue and the maybe the change of becoming a bigger asset for him because I think I think of a person farther down than even that. So yeah, Luis Garcia. All right, DBR. I- I want to move up Patrick Sandoval. I, I had yes! a little bit too buried. Let's do it. Two good secondaries. <laughs> Just throw those. Get off that fastball. Yeah. And there's uh, curveball right. maybe too. I've got I've got Relax. him right. I got Scoople 66, Sandoval 67. So that's how, that's how I feel about that. Uh, uh-huh. I already admitted to i think moving up a couple guys so uh mm-hmm. i'll just point out that i did move up clevenger despite the bad outing today uh because i realized i had him fairly far away from a guy we didn't get to talk to today that i love so much to rasmus and i love you oh I, no I, wait i thought i purposefully skipped because i thought you said oh my god you're not going to make me talk about this guy again so i was no. like okay no no you can do it real quick sell us very quickly no, i just, I, just I think i love the slider even if he didn't get a lot of whiffs on it he had a point 031 ISO on it, and I think he can still do it again. And I think he can get a bunch of wins in five in five innings. Well, the other listening to this on two times speed, yeah, <laughs> like freaked out. Mind blown. Okay, uh, so to counteract that and try two times speed, I'm going to tell you right now the Rays are probably going to limit him a lot in his starts. I think they have a whole thing about going about 70 pitches for Drew Rasmussen about the pitch efficiency for that, and I think right. he's going to go about four innings or so when he's not doing it as well as he normally does about five innings. But this my response awful. to that is that guess how many wins did Corbin Burns have last year? Guess how many wins did Brandon Woodruff has has last year? How many wins do you think these pitchers are going to give you? Right. Fair enough. But I, I will say this, like the, what, about that, like he got five innings because he actually did well enough that he shouldn't have done to survive through 70 pitches to get five innings. I think the Rays are going to limit him after four when he's at 70 pitches then, because I mean, you were even talking I about think, this oh, in Arizona into a corner. I was talking to yeah. the Rays about this. I think that they, the plans were for what you're talking about and things have changed. So I might've oh, wow. been wrong before and I'm more right now because <laughs> Boz got hurt. And so <laughs> He's oh, like, I, I think he's just a starting pitcher now. Like there were oh, plans to maybe make him a follower and 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 even have an opener for him and all this mm. stuff. I think he's yeah, just I, a starting oh. pitcher now. Now you've got me they more intrigued. Me a, if it, it, if you believe that he'll go five innings consistently, then okay, I nah, might be. Like, not gave me a panic attack, but today. he saw he got he had like five wins in the last two months. I know, that was year. insane against the Red Sox and the Astros. Like I was yeah, not starting that. I that think was he's insane. really good, dude. So anyway, I saw that I had so far of a difference between him and Clevenger. And yet the thing for me is these guys are good and how many innings. So I, I decreased the distance between Clevenger and Rasmussen. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on Rasmussen too. Um, this was very, very fun. I appreciate you gentlemen taking an <laughs> hour really, out of your schedule. What? what you just went in there at the end. <laughs> I, 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 I was, like was really fast. <laughs> was, was Eflin throwing 94 this weekend? Yeah. Uh, I just want to squeeze in more information. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to let it's going to be cacophonous. Everyone's going to shout pitcher stats for the next five minutes. Uh, seriously, though, we can't. We appreciate you guys' time. This was an absolute blast, but that is going to do it for episode number 317 of On the Corner, the official pitcherlist.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock. And we'll talk to you guys next week.